always talking about sort of a sensory motor understanding of the world. And then Dreyfus is saying, not only do we have it, but that ability gets built in in this way. And he kind of breaks it down, how you learn how to drive a car, for instance. And he shows that how a lot of our understanding is not rational, but it gets offset to the body. So like you're responding, like when he says, like to know when to shift, at first it might be like you, you're told when the, when the car gets to so many kilometers an hour or when it gets to so many RPMs, you shift into the next gear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, at a certain point, you don't actually need any of that. It's just by feel and sound, right? So here's a question. Yeah. Then um, how much of the world is a phenomenological experience that is true versus or is it impossible to separate the phenomenological experience from the perceptual realm? Like to perceive the phenomenological experience means to analyze it, right? Like to, to, to bring the phenomenological experience into the brain and then to have it stand like maybe a, a coffee table and walk around it. Then you analyze that phenomenological experience and then you may convince yourself that that experience in and of itself was different than you actually had. Um, and isn't that all to do with the ego? Doesn't the ego really perceptually shift a situation for it to be for or against you or to be uh, his fault versus your fault or, you know what I mean? Okay, so like phenomenology, I don't think you can separate the perceptual world from phenomenology. Okay, that's what I was thinking, but I I wanted to know. Yeah, and I would say, the reason I would say is because phenomenology just is saying the the only thing we can know or we have direct access to is our experiences of the world so that goes beyond perception like if you when you say perception if you also mean like smell touch emotion that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. this like any sort of sense any physiological sense then yeah (coughs) but isn't the physiological (coughs) (coughs) sorry coffee went down the wrong spot how can you have a phenomenological experience that isn't physiological well, yeah, but again, now you're getting back into <coughs> metaphysical questions that phenomenologists just want to say, like, look, we, we can't answer that right now. It's, it's not helpful to even think about these questions because, like, our, our thinking gets to this, like, muddied area and we realize we don't know enough to complete this picture, right? Like, that's my understanding anyway. Like, it would be, they're not interested in... So, again, if you, if you go back to Kant and how Kant approached it, that's why it's always very helpful. Because Kant was like, we have these experiences, right? Yeah. And he's like, what must it be like? Like, what are the conditions that are necessary to give rise to such experiences? You know what I mean? <coughs> so, it's like, again, it's sort of like saying, we have fire. So what must it be like for there to be fire? Well, there has to be oxygen. We know there has to be oxygen in order for there to be fire, right? We know that there has to be some kind of flammable gas or or vapors yeah. right the you more, know what i mean yeah but the more i think about it the more i'm led down the path that like in my own understanding you know regardless of what how kant wants to uh explain it or how he has right. explained it right right i feel like the phenomenological experience that i have cannot be separated from my emotional or uh, which is just ultimately my physiological experience, which is the phenomenological experience, and therefore all the things that my body and 
it, it I don't has, think any like, phenomenologists would disagree. So what they would do is... But they, they make it, a lot of the experiences that you have are perceptually changed through ego. Like, I think that the emotional stature of one's... What I guess I'm trying to get at is, like, when I think about, like, value systems, maybe value systems are just really ego-driven through the phenomenological experience of others, and people are like, oh, my ego says that this particular value system is not a good value system because it doesn't fit with my own personal phenomenological experience. Therefore, you can never have consistent value experiences across the board. I think, like, so if what you're... You kind of lost me there. If what you're trying to say is that your experiences are always sort of colored by your value system, which is and, like which reinforces the value system. Like again, I, I which think is that's, based on ego and emotion. Yeah, like I think all of that is all of that is right. But like I don't. I think it's too simplistic to say it's all based on ego and emotion. Like I think, what is your ego and emotion based on? You can ask that question. And it's not evident what that stuff is based on all the time. Again, it's a very complex answer. Well, I guess it's a matter of culture. Culture, and experiences. Experience, physio physiological uh, chemistry. Different ideologies you've been taught. You know, like, it all colors it. But I think phenomenology tries to unpack that all, right? To the extent that it can. Um, you know, like, I, I don't think any phenomenologist would say, no, 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 no. Um, you know, you're... What, the way you think the world is isn't coloring your world at all. I think most would agree that, like, you know, the, the power of belief can override perception, right? Like, of the actual world. And it's I think funny, though. Like, a magic show. Attention the power. to blindness. Yeah, 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 yeah magic yeah, yeah. is magic. a perfect example. But then the power of, like, you're like, oh, I believe it's gone. And then, the, and then if the magic uh, man, the magician, uh, says, uh, this is how I did it, that it's all sort of unraveled. It Your is. belief system is then twisted backwards. It's on a itself. perfect example. When you see how a trick is mm -hmm. done, then when you see that trick again, you can't unsee how it's done, and the but trick loses its magic. Again. Like I find, like the media just tricks people over and over the same trick, and then they know the trick, and they're like, "I know the trick," and then they fall for the trick again. You know what I mean? Like, but some people don't know the trick is part of the problem too, right? Like it works because. But even even I will fall for the trick again. Of course, because Denise, like. Uh, so many people rely on uncertainty, right? Like, that's the problem. It's that a lot of these conversations take for granted that we know what's really going on. When we talk about illusions, illusion is to say it looks like one thing, but it's actually another, what would right? But what would brainwashing be then? Because they say that, like, if you are shown something six times or if you're told something six times, you, it'll go into memory. It'll go into memory the way that you were sort of exposed to it. So, like, that's why commercials or... Yes and no, but there's there, there's only, again, like, that that's only effective to a certain degree, right? Like, the, you know, you could try to take, you could try to take, like, I mean, in Nazi concentration camps, if they tried to convince Jews that Jews were bad people, like, all the brainwashing in the world isn't going to convince every every Jew that Jews are horrible people, but right? But what if like, you took a Jewish child at five years old and told him that Jewish people were horrible people. And that's that he... different. That's not, like, I mean, that's not only brainwashing, but it's actually, like, to me, that's even worse, because, like, you're not, like, brainwashing to me is, like, taking someone who has a set of beliefs, breaking those beliefs down, yeah, and building up new yeah. beliefs, but, like, that's actually just starting at such a young age that you just get to control their All world. All the beliefs. Yeah. I agree with that. I think, actually, breaking somebody's train of beliefs at adulthood is very difficult. I think people are more likely to... <clears throat> Say what you want to hear to get out of the situation. Right. Uh, which is a survivalist sort of thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think that... 
why not examine the beliefs that you've come to the world with, right? So instead of thinking, oh, you know, it's terrible that these that this these children could be easily brainwashed, right? Why not ask yourself, what how what was the cultural uh, milieu that you were brainwashed into? I mean, regardless if it was a bad thing or not, it's still you still were brainwashed into a cultural milieu. I know, but the thing is, is like this is what makes values what they are, is that there isn't one value that is right. You know, like actually there are a divergence of values and like depending on where you sit in society, mm. some values look better than others. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the fact is is like again, if you were if you were um I mean, if you were an extremely rich person and you were rich your entire life, totally, yeah. You would be like, you would probably like, buy into all the value, ideas. man. Wealth is value. Well, not only that, but you would buy into this idea, all these beliefs that, from our perspective, seem absurd. Yeah. Like, oh, I did it all myself. It is all my own efforts. It's all, like all of this crazy nonsense you hear, like Republicans in the states. And then wealth off. can bring you all the happiness and all the other values. In essence, it, I mean, I can understand because wealth could, you could easily see wealth giving you the access to all the possibilities of happiness, giving you access to all the possibilities of, you know, security and whatever, like feeding you shelter hunger. But, but what I guess I'm trying to say is with wealth, there's always the exclusion of other people having those things, right? Um, because it's a positional good or something you're yes. trying to say that like yeah. yes, it's, it's about position. having more than the other person. I mean, that's... but that's what I mean. Otherwise, it's communism and it's it's equity, right? Yeah. Which a wealthy person would not stand for because the point of wealth is to have more than, right? Yeah, but like I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, these are values. Like this is again. Like I, I think you can get carried away with it both ways. Like I think, are you? Do trying... you think positional goods are important? Do you think that? Yes, I do. So I you do. think everybody needs to have uh, be on this ladder, and no, some people do need to be on the bottom. They need to be there. It's not about. To me, it's not about that. I think it's like. I mean, to me, I think it's just like when I see it, I see it as a natural emergence of the kind of thing that we are. Right. So like, this is like nature's order. In a sense, like, for the kind of beings that we are, yeah, like, we are, we are motivated by positional goods. We are interested in positional goods. Like, everything is a competition these days, and people get excited by that because they like to see who comes out on top and all these sorts of things. Like, you know, like, this is just a common behavior um, where we like to know that we're a little bit more specialized or a little bit more uh, knowledgeable in certain areas than other people. Like, this is just how humans are, like... You know, uh, I'm I'm really into like you know RC cars or something, right? And people get really into them, and they'll just run down that rabbit hole. Why? Because they want to be kind of the best at it, or feel like they have an edge over everyone else. I think that's a natural human thing, even like. Even so it's kind of unnatural to say that that there should be a type of equity that allows all people to... Unnatural based on the kind of things that we are right now. I don't, I'm not trying to say, like, there's a God and a God created us to be this way. So I don't... I'm not saying... No, I don't believe in like, that either. I could see us over a long period of time evolving and becoming a different kind of being and having different interests. Um, and I don't know how long that would take or how incredibly successful it would be, but... Yeah, like, I mean, I think when you see all the war and all the fighting and all the 
competition in the world, like you can't deny that we are by and large the kind of beings that enjoy that kind of thing, right? Like we do so much of it. Our history I would books agree with you. are loaded with it. I know. I, I actually agree with you, which it, but then I also am like personally extremely sad. By that. sad. Yeah. And I know it. And I feel like I feel it all the time. And then people are like, you should take drugs for that. You should, like, you can't think... Even you've said, like, you think too big picture, you know, maybe you should hone it in with some, Well, you like, know. if you're getting to the point where you're getting, like, severely depressed, that's a problem. Like, I mean, you know, why... I mean, it's... To me, it's, like, one of these things where, like, again, it's... But like, then you know, what if you try to change the, it? The you try to change it. The ascetics and people like this, right? Like, they hated pleasure. They hate pleasure. Yeah. Right? They try... To eliminate pleasure at every angle. Were those the people that beat themselves, or no? Well, I guess. Ascetics. But, like, ascetics are people who just, like, they refuse any sort of earthly pleasures whatsoever, mm -hmm. right? Like, so... Um, but what... Well, what be because they see it as sin. Sin, yeah. They see it as badness. They see it as evil. And the point is, is, like, like I get that, like, any too... Any, like, too much of any one thing is a problem, but this idea that, like, like, we're the kind of beings that experience pleasure. Why would you deny that for, from yourself? Like, the thing is, is, like, if you're, if we're the kind of creatures that are after positional goods, and I agree with you that, like, the extent to which we're after them could even end up leading to our own downfall from everything we've accomplished at this point. Yeah. And that's a sad thing. But, like, should you be so depressed over it that you, you fall into a depression? Like, that seems unhealthy to me. Well, yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, like there in this depression you know uh personally yet well, i don't know if you're t saying i'm telling you you need to take drugs then maybe that's what no 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 i mean like other people so depressed that you can't help but think about only that thing no 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 i feel like i'm functional in the world that i go and do the things that I, I make money i have a car i have an apartment i pay the bills i contribute to the relationship it's not to say that i mean if i was dysfunctional i wouldn't be able to do any of those things right I yeah. mean, as far as I know, like, my grandmother, she was severely depressed. She couldn't do fuck all, right? But the thing is, is that I think that I am cognizantly depressed or cognizantly aware and saddened, um, you know, in the reality of that probably, you know, like, every other day or so. I wouldn't say every day, but I would say it comes up in my mind a lot. Like, maybe I am overly sensitive to the fact that the positional goods of life. And actually it's become more revealed as I age. So as I was, when I was younger, I might felt, felt it, but, and I, and I, I but I'd, I'd always push it away because like, you know, you shouldn't worry too much about like people starving, you know what I mean? Like you sh or, you know, you shouldn't worry about like you push it away because like you're told in culture, you need to push that away. But then no, as I, I get older, you, I'm like, you push I'm it like, away because you're told in culture, you have to push it away. Again, like, I think... Or maybe you push it away just because, like, you have to. Why not think of it in... Yeah, why not think of it in terms of, like, a natural response? Like, if you're faced with a problem that is bigger than what you can solve, what is the natural reaction to that? I guess the natural reaction to that... I guess to solve to that, it at a smaller level. Well, okay, but, but does that solve your deeper anxiety about the world at large? Of course not. At a certain point... Even if you solve it as, at a smaller level, you have to confront the reality that you can't solve the entire problem. And so therefore, at some point in your life, you have to be at peace with the fact that this is the way the world is. You wish it was slightly different, but there's nothing you can do about that. I think I will die like George Carlin. I mean, I don't see myself becoming more at peace with it. I, I actually see as I age becoming more... Uh, 
like enraged by it like and and what actually enrages me more and or could pacify me more technically speaking if you look at both sides of the coin is that people people tend to either you know they're like well that's the way it is or if I meet people that are like yeah it is actually really really terrible and it sucks that we have to live it like people who are very sensitive to it they do pacify me because they feel the same way I feel but people who are just like ah fuck why are you thinking about those things you're like crazy those people make me more angry and well, make me more I mean, depressed of course i mean like you know that that's that's the case with anything you could be you could be hold the exact opposite perspective yeah. that you hold now and you could meet someone like you and then you'd walk away feeling depressed because of you've just met someone like you like it's true for everyone it you 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 have a different set of values than someone else and they come at you with challenging value systems no one walks away thinking, that's amazing. People walk away feeling frustrated. This is why we fight, because we often think, my value system is better than your, your value, value system. system. And we get into, you know, lockerheads over it. Like, I think... So, so but here's the question then. How, to, how does humanity, how does humanity uh, begin to unite value systems? Is universalism actually really a terrible thing? Actually, so this is the thing. Again, this is what... Um, uh, you know, I had kind of debated that question until Joe Heath came and gave this presentation that kind of really summed that up for me as to being like, throughout history, what we've seen is a battle between that very thing, which is, you know, um, like a universal conception of the good versus like a multiple conception of the good, right? And Joe's point was like, Throughout history, what we see are numerous cases where someone comes along and tries to define what the good is, and it's merely one conception of the good, and so all sorts of people suffer because you're now dictated by some tyrant's conception of the good, mm -hmm. and that actually the reason why we have the world we have today in 2016 is because people like John Rawls came along and realized, listen, we can't dictate to people what the good life is. We have to allow each person to pursue their own conception of the good. What we need are rules that can help us negotiate when these different conceptions clash, right? And that's why we come up with justice as fairness. We're making sure that no one's conception of the good is unfairly privileged. And is our world is our world a perfect representation of that? Of course not. Like we saw with the financial crisis, that actually banks being too big to fail, like that's just privileging a specific conception of the good over another. And so I'm not saying we flawlessly have achieved that, but I do think, like, here's the thing, man. I don't want to be told what kind of life I have to pursue. I think that to me is a big harm. You know, and I think that the moment you get but into forcing you're... universal values, you're getting into that territory. But here's the question then. Like, I just don't think, well, then you're uh, all, in my opinion, out of that uh, state, of those statements you just made, there's either two things that are going to happen. Uh, one is that, like, you know, just fucking accept war because that shit's going to happen forever. Okay, but can I ask you a question? Is there a time in human history where there's been peace on earth? No, no. exactly. No, there but isn't. what I'm saying is so... that if you can't tell a person... This is uh, my point, though, the Denise, point of way of living. This is the way. Then there's even, always going to be war. But it's going to be that anyway is my point. Even if you force a, one definition of the good life, if you say, listen, these are the values you must live by, that, okay, that's what a brave new world is about. You, 
the, the society has given yes. me certain values yes. and one person feels discontent with it yes. and rebels against that yes, system. Yes, yes, and yes. so it doesn't matter if it's one conception or many conceptions. But is it possible? There's always going to be discontent. Is it possible then? Is it possible to imagine a world in which everyone can live, you know, the way they want to, but no, they can't do harm onto other people within the context of them doing living that life. But actually, then I guess I would answer my own question would be no, because uh, if you believe in positional goods, if you believe in hierarchical standards... It always impacts Yeah, people, so, yeah. you know, part of some people's good, or most, actually, people's good life is to be, is to make sure some people have no, no a much less, not none, but much less than they have. Like, that's part of the... But ethics. I don't think it has to be quite that way. Like, I think... But, the, but that is part of what you just spoke about, about... You know, you but can't not, tell people it's what not about is the people comment. having less. It's about you having a bit more of something. So again, like when when it's framed in terms of money, what you just said is exactly how it works. Like, oh well, like or you know, food. What about food? Or food, things like this. In which why I think is like, food money is this money food. Is that like what that this, is? This this positional good attitude shouldn't actually be applied to these areas of life because they're more for getting on in life than it is for this for what I'm talking about. But me knowing more about say you know, Plato, then another person doesn't cause that other person harm. No, obviously you, not. So, I mean, again, I don't think, like, the desire to have positional goods, like, the Olympian wanting to compete for gold, a gold medal, just because there's only one gold medal, isn't causing me harm. No. At, at best, it's causing the other people who are competing and don't get a gold medal harm. But those people know what they're signing up for. They're they're after the gold too, and and part of it is like if again, it's like if everyone walked away with a gold medal, it wouldn't be worth the goddamn thing. And that shows you that it's like it's actually about it being a rare commodity that makes it so valuable. And that's just part of human psychology. So can I imagine a world where people don't act that way? Well, yeah, of course, but it's full of a uh, different kind of person. That whole world is full of different kinds of people. You know. Not the kind of people that you see walking on the earth right now. Phenomenology